This is a podcast from the children's radio station Fun Kids. Listen on DAB Digital Radio across the UK or online at funkidslive.com. Hello and welcome to the Fun Kids Book Club podcast. My name is Bex and I've got loads of book stuff on the way for you. You can hear me chatting to Owen Colfer, you can hear me talking to Kate Umansky, and you can find out about the three biggest books in the world right now. But first, it's time for my book trivia question. Today's question is this. Which of these is not an ingredient in George's Marvelous Medicine? Is it A, horseradish sauce? Is it B, engine oil? Or is it C, butter? Have a little think. Think back to when you last read George's Marvelous Medicine and I'll tell you the answer at the end of the show. Next up, it's time to chat to Owen Colfer. You're chatting to us because you've got a brand new book out. It's The Foul Twins. Can you explain to our listeners a little bit about it? Well, The Foul Twins, and not as in horrible, but of the family foul, who are, who are a famous family of uh, master criminals from Ireland, and they're the latest generation, um, two 11-year-olds, who are trying their best to go straight, but they keep getting dragged into adventures with the fairy people. What's, what's the difference between Miles and Beckett? Because they are they are quite different boys, even though they are twins, right? Miles and Beckett are polar opposites. Yeah, Beckett definitely... So is the, yeah, he's the kind of uh, the crazier one, would we say? That's fair. I think that is very fair to say <laughs> that. But sometimes it's that craziness which wins the day, much to Miles' infuriation. Some, uh, sometimes uh, Beckett's crazy plans actually work much better than his well thought out schemes. Now, you mentioned earlier on that uh, it's a bit of a roller coaster. What was your favourite bit to write in the book? Because it is action packed. I always love a good villain. And uh, when you've written as many books as I have that are you know, high adventure, if you like, uh, you, you need a good, I think the phrase, the modern phrase is you need a good big bad. And it, it's very hard to keep coming up with new villains that have something different about them. And so this book has not one but two uh, villains. And one of them uh, is a nun and she is Sister Geronima from Bilbao. And she is a member of a very shadowy organization called Acronym who are tasked with hunting down fairies. Um, wherever they can find them. So she's an interrogator for Acronym. And then the other villain uh, is Sir Teddy Bleedham Dry, which is one of my favourite names that I've ever come up with. It is very good. And he has been keeping himself alive for 150 years with various potions, unguents and fungi. He finds out from an Irish monk that the venom can be used to uh, elongate the human lifespan. So he goes hunting for this troll and his path intersects with the Fowl Twins, but also with Sister Geronima, who's also hunting for this troll. And unfortunately for them both, uh, this troll has befriended Beckett Fowl, who's determined that no harm shall befall him. Uh, now, every uh, author who I get to chat to on Fun Kids, I do a little quiz with them to find out a little bit more about them. Um, is it okay to do that with you yeah. right now? Absolutely. Uh, most of my past is an open book, except that five missing years that I can't talk about. But besides <laughs> that... Uh, so, first one, it's super easy. It's just, uh, basically, it's just multiple choice. Uh, books or Kindles? Oh, books, books, of course. Yeah, every author says that. It kind of eases you in gently. Heroes or villains? I have. I would have to say villains, but uh, if I could qualify it with maybe uh, by taking the middle ground and saying anti-heroes. Oh! Um, but I, def- I, I definitely found villains like Captain Hook much more interesting to read about those and I think they've been very inspirational to me um, I think Captain Hook is my favourite and I always felt reading Peter Pan as a child that there's there's no way Peter Pan would beat Captain Hook uh, <laughs> so I felt very aggrieved by that and, and I think he only won because you know the villain has to lose in the end so I think that drove me to write Artemis Fowl where the villain can win by becoming sort of a hero 
Oh man, that you know what? You're the first person to say that. That's an excellent answer. Uh, right, uh, next up, uh, film adaptation or TV adaptation? Well, I would have to say at the moment, TV is doing extremely well with the adaptations. It did a very good adaptation of. There was a very good adaptation of Lemony Snicket's books. Mm-hmm. Uh, but having said that, I do have my own adaptation coming out next year on movie screen. So. Um, I, w- I would have to have some faith in Disney and say movie adaptations. Staying on brand, excellent. Uh, writing or reading? The older I get, I think re- uh, I think I'm going reading a lot more. I-, I was writing 18 hours a day, but now wow. my my brain, I think brain must be somehow dehydrated. So uh, I need an injection of uh, brain fluid if that's possible. <laughs> or else I will just keep reading for a while. All right, we'll, we'll let you do that. Uh, uh, Miles or Beckett? Oh, dear. <laughs> You're asking me to choose between my sons now. That's so cruel. Uh, I think it depends on the situation. If, if there's a situation that involves any physical activity or coordination, you would have to say uh, Beckett because Miles can barely walk upstairs. Mm-hmm. That's his Achilles. He, he has an entire Achilles body, not just an Achilles heel. Uh, but if there was a situation that required um, hacking into a computer, uh, I would say definitely Miles because he's the guy for the technology. All right, so it depends what you want to do. That's fair enough. Uh, Hogwarts or Narnia? Yeah. Oh, well, I'm a Narnia guy. I mean, and uh, I've read... I, it's probably my generation as well. I'm in my 50s now, so... Uh, Narnia was hugely, hugely influential, but it's an amazing testament to the power of Harry Potter that they can be in a an either-or question with Narnia. It's just amazing that a modern book has so quickly achieved such uh, reverence in modern culture, and I'm a big fan of J.K., so I would say Narnia, but if I could do like a swing-by to Hogwarts on the way that would be great that's alright I'll let you get the Hogwarts Express through that's, that's okay we'll let you do that um, Owen thank you so much that was fab thank you um, oh yeah lovely to talk to you thank you very much to Owen Colfer for chatting to me about his brand new book The Foul Twins next up I'm welcoming Imogen to the studio. Hello. Hello. How you doing? I'm doing really well and I'm excited about these books. You come armed with three quite hefty tomes this week. I do. (laughs) And the first of which is our good old friend... Jeff Kinney. Jeff Kinney, I'm interviewing him soon, so can you give me some tips on this new book, please? Lots of tips. Uh, so many tips. <laughs> this is a book called Diary of a Wimpy Kid, Wrecking Ball. Not Miley Cyrus. Though. Oh, okay, no, good to know. Not the song Miley Cyrus. I'll make a note. So there is big changes in store for Greg and his family. Uh, they're making home improvements. Oh. Hence Wrecking Ball. But with all the unwelcome, like, toxic mould and the walls coming down and all the critters that come out of the woodwork, Greg discovers that the renovations aren't all they're cracked up to be. So when all the renovations are finished... Will the Hefleys be able to stay or will they have to get out of town? Oh my goodness. Didn't realise that it would be, uh, the high stakes would be that big. I know. As usual, this book is kind of 50% book, 50% comic strip, 50% wonderful, 50% hilarious. Not great in maths, were you? Uh, no. Kid, no, you can tell that. 200% brilliant <laughs> book, Bex. Um, and I, I, I mean, I recommend every single one of these Diary of the Women Kid books. What are we on now? Is it the... 12? The 12th book! 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14. Terrible at maths, clearly! 14th The 14th book in the series of Diary of a Wimpy Kid. And Wrecking Ball is out right now. It is indeed. Lovely stuff. Uh, What do you have next for me, Imogen? 
The second book is The Goldsmith and the Master Thief by Tonka Tracht. Mm-hmm. Um, I hope that's how you pronounce it. It is a Dutch name. Um, now, this book is... It's big, isn't it? It's big. Yeah. And it's beautiful. And it's about two brothers, identical twin brothers. Can I guess that one of them is a goldsmith and one of them is a master thief? I don't know where you got that from, <laughs> Um, they are identical twins called Lorenzo and Giacomo and no one can tell them apart mm-hmm. which is really handy when they're playing tricks on mm. people and their teachers and the like no one can split them up the only people that know who they are are their parents um, but tragedy strikes their lives and they both have to make their own way in the world each brother chooses their own path um, and Lorenzo works to make beautiful objects and therefore becomes a goldsmith mm-hmm. working with gold and silver and Giacomo goes to travel and explore and becomes an unlikely thief and so begins a series of kind of incredible adventures and escapades that test them and they face danger and riddles and they face all these different new characters and they sail across the ocean and fall in and out of love and they they stay at an, an enchanted inn and they save a priceless pearl and they even become kings for a while um, and they have to use their wisdom and their talents to survive and it's a really really interesting book it's kind of 12 individual tales um and you can read them as individual tales or read them one after the other they're quite nicely uh, all separated so good for nighttime stories yeah um and they're really nicely woven together and um it's translated from the dutch in a really lovely way um so and gorgeous pictures I love oh picture. you do have your pictures and we do have pictures throughout the book as well so if you want one that's a little bit different about brothers and relationships and adventure this is one for you excellent thank you very much for that and what is your last book of the podcast The last book of the podcast is Ben Miller's The Boy Who Made the World Disappear. So Ben Miller is a comedian and uh, you might have seen him on TV before. I have met him, uh, he wrote another book about Christmas last year and I love that book. It was really funny and heartwarming. Yeah, it was The Night I Met Father Christmas. That's the one, yeah. I do believe. Yes, it's a really fabulous Christmas book. One that you might want to bring out the bookshelf this year again. Yes, I've got it actually saved on my bookshelf ready to go. Oh, really? Uh, So what's the new one about? So this book is... It's about a boy called Harrison and he always tries his best to be good. He doesn't steal, he shares with his sister, he doesn't cheat at board games like sometimes I do. Mm, We've all been there. But he has a bit of a flaw in his character. He can lose his temper big time, Uh, can get a bit angry. So when he is given a black hole instead of a balloon at a party, Harrison jumps at the idea and the chance to kind of get rid of everything that really angers him and soon it is not just the things that he hates that are disappearing into the black hole but also the things he really loves as well and therefore the moral of kind of the story is you got to be careful what you wish for because it may just come true Bex Mm -hmm. and uh, this is a really interesting adventure story that really gets you thinking as well about what you hold dear to you 
Wow, very philosophical. I know. Oh my goodness. Um, Fab, well, I'll, uh, I'll give that one a read. Thank you very much, Imogen. Yes, you should give it a read because Ben Miller might be coming on the podcast soon. Well, that's the other thing as well is I probably have to read it because uh, Ben Miller will know if I don't read his book. He will. I'm pretty sure. Last time I interviewed him, he almost tested me to double check I actually read the book. <laughs> well, you better get reading then. So yeah, that's, that's on my bookshelf. Uh, brilliant. Thank you so much, Imogen. Not at all. Cheers. Bye. <laughs> Next up on the Fun Kids Book Club podcast, we're going to be chatting to Kay Umansky about The Witch in Winter. Hello. Hello. Thank you so much for joining us. Pleasure. Nice it's to be here. your first time at Fun Kids. Yeah. But it's not your first book by any means, right? No, no, it's not. So you brought with us, is it the fourth book in your series? Yes, it is. So yeah. tell us a little bit about Witch in Winter. Well, Witch in Winter is, like you say, the fourth book. And there was the first three were all about Elsie Pickles, this little girl who works in a shop in a very, very dull town called Smallbridge. Yes. And um, she gets given this wonderful opportunity to go and house it in a tower in the middle of the forest for this witch called Magenta. And and she has some really, really good and exciting adventures there. It's very, very different to living in Smallbridge. You know, her life becomes completely and completely different. And uh, the fourth one is all about when the snow comes and the frost comes. And, and she is involved with um, a very, very nasty evil kind of character Jack Frost and his not very nice children and she has to get rid of them because otherwise the snow and the frost won't go away and I mean that's bad for the town of Smallbridge obviously but it's very bad because they can't get out of their houses the the snow is so deep that they would have to climb out of their top windows and they're all too conventional and stuffy to do something so exciting as that so they just stay in and hope it's all going to go away I mean to be be fair for me that'd be lovely because you get a sled me too (laughs) I love the snow (laughs) but what about uh, what about Magenta at the beginning of the book she's kind of not around she isn't and at the end of the book she's not around either in fact in the last book um, Elsie has to go and stay in the tower because there is no witch there. Magenta has gone missing. It's all a little bit sort of strange that the snow has come and the frost has come and Magenta has gone missing at the same time. Nobody knows where she is. Elsie has to try and track her down. Very, very, very scary it is. (laughs) Elsie's got a lot of responsibility now because also she's she's learning. She's Fully magic. She's doing pretty yeah. well for herself. She's learning to be a witch. I mean, the, in the first book, she went along and she, she had a little dabble. Magenta kind of says, um, you know, I, I think people ought to try things. Unless people try things, they don't know whether they're any good at it. But I think she has already sussed that Elsie is going to be a very good witch. So that's the reason why. She goes away to stay with her sister for a week. When she, when she comes back, Elsie's already got three little spells at her fingertips. So she's doing really well. She's, she's starting to, uh, yeah, to be become pretty magical in her own right she is indeed and at the end at the end in this fourth book she is kind of a fully fledged witch really she can pretty well do most things i was gonna, i didn't know whether to give it away but yeah she is she's yeah. yeah she's improved all the way through books one two and three she was still learning book four she's getting really confident and it's all co- about confidence really isn't it it is yeah when you're absolutely. learning a new skill yeah and it's interesting because at the end of the book as well you seem to imply there might be some more adventures on the way there might be you never know you never know <laughs> not going to give anything away way yet. So what's it like writing Elsie? Do you love her? Do you feel like you do. just can channel her really easily when you write? Yeah, she's, she's kind of like me when I was, I lived in a rather dull sort of place as a child and nothing ever really happened. I, I come from um, sort of, it's the outskirts of Plymouth down in Devon. Okay. Um, quite near Dartmoor, but we never really got out there because we didn't have a car, so you had to get a bus and it took a long time. Life was a little bit, I was an only child and life was a little bit boring and I was always hoping something 
exciting and adventurous was going to happen to me. And it kind of didn't, really. So, <laughs> so writing about it... That's the way that I get my adventures now. You know, it's all in my head. It's did you always... have your own magenta? Did somebody come into your life that kind of gave you that? Not, not one, but there were teachers that kind of opened up ideas for me and, and told me that I could write and told me that, you know, my mum was a music teacher and so um, she encouraged me to sing. So music was a big thing for me as well. So people did come into my life and open up the opportunities so that life wasn't quite so dreary. So um, here at Fun Kids, we have a little question. Uh, quick fire round of questions for authors. When they Gosh, I hope they're not hard. Speaker. Well, let's find out. Okay. Because, um, uh, yeah, this is your first time, so you've never done this one before. Nope, I haven't. And uh, just, just want to get a feel for you as an author, really. Um, so no pressure, don't worry. No, it's all fine. okay. So uh, here we go. Uh, do you prefer books or Kindles? Oh, books. Books, yeah, everyone says that. Yeah. Heroes or villains? Oh, villains. Straight away, right? Yes, yes, they're more, they're more dramatic. Film <laughs> adaptation or TV adaptation? Oh, film film yeah i love films uh this is just for you cheese or offal oh cheese come on you know i love cheese <laughs> you've looked on my website I have, haven't yeah, you? Yeah. <laughs> out of interest which cheese which which one would you go oh for? i really actually like cheddar cheddar but, yeah but i do like i do like the lovely blue ones as well and the sort of oh, goat's cheese uh, you know any sort of cheese yeah any sort of cheese if you give it to me i am i'm yours brilliant all right we'll get some <laughs> cheese on toast on the go later thank you uh writing or reading Oh, that's hard because I'm a big reader, but I love writing as well. It just depends on the mood. During the day, normally I'm on most days I'm writing, but I read over breakfast and I read over lunch and I read on trains. Wow. I can't, I, I never write out of the house. I'm always in my little office. Um, so reading, uh, I, I can't choose between them. I can't. Okay. That's generally one that trips up a lot of authors. Yeah. Like, a lot of yeah. people can't answer that. Uh, Hogwarts or Narnia? Oh, I think Narnia, Narnia. because, yeah, because I read it as a kid. I mean, Hogwarts came much, much later. I was very grown up right. when, Hogb when Hogwarts was invented. So, yes, Narnia. Narnia. Uh, laptop or write by hand? Oh, I, I have a laptop, but I scribble. I scribble on bits of paper and in little notebooks and things. So I, I, my scribbles are important because I then use them when I go and work on my computer. But when I, when I get up in the morning, I turn my computer on and I'm facing a blank screen. And it's exactly like looking at a blank piece of paper, yeah. really. So... Both. Both? Okay. Yeah, both. Uh, winter or summer? Oh, that's so hard. Because I love the snow. I absolutely love the well, snow. Well, I thought that's why I asked. I thought yeah. maybe it would be... But I also love the beach. I'm, 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 I, I like extremes of weather. I like, I like gales and wind. And I, I, love, I love the change of seasons. I would never like to live in a country where it was all snow, Same. all cold, or all hot. I love the fact that I live in a country where we've got bits of everything. Uh, lovely. Uh, Roald Dahl or Jacqueline Wilson? Ooh, Roald Dahl. I'm, I'm sorry, Jackie, because I love her. And, and she has a friend. <laughs> and I do love her. But Roald Dahl, I don't know. There's something so sort of wicked about him. You know, his characters are just so naughty. And, Very fun. Yeah. And, and also, I love fantasy, you see. And, and Jacqueline tends to write far more sort of realistic sort of books. Yes. And, whereas I'm a fantasy lover. Fantasy girl. Uh, this is going to be quite tricky, I think. Heathcliff or Jeremy? <gasps> 
I couldn't possibly say you're telling me ask me to choose between my two lovely pussy cats. Yes. In, in case anybody's listening, yes, well, that is confused. Uh, yes, they're the name of your yeah. two cats. Right? Heathcliff is is white with black spots, and Jeremy is is black with white bits. Right. And Jeremy is sort of big and purry and fluffy, and Heathcliff is a bit sort of snooty and snotty, and and, and only kind of like comes to you for, for affection when he's in the mood. The classic. So cats. they're very very different, and I couldn't possibly choose between them. I'll let you off for that one. Thank you. Uh, bookshop visit or school tour. Oh, oh gosh. I love going into schools. Yeah. I do. I love meeting kids. Um, I love big crowds because I'm quite big and noisy and I like sort of being interactive and we all sing songs and sort of, you know, ask, they ask questions and it's all fun. But on the other hand, I love being quiet and, and, and walking around a bookshop and sort yeah. of looking, looking at the shelves. Uh, oh, hard. Both. 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 Oh, right. oh gosh. I'm going to let you off that one. Uh, Paddington Bear or Winnie the Pooh? Winnie the Pooh. Winnie the Pooh. Every time I love Winnie the Pooh I'm a big fan of Winnie do you write 9 to 5 or do you write when you fancy I guess you already um, said well it's it's often it's 9 to 5 when I'm when I've got a book on mm-hmm. um, when I'm thinking about what I'm going to do next um, then it's w- when I fancy really and you know, when a book when a book when I get stuck on a book I take a few days off as well to, to hopefully my brain is going to sort things out before I go back Resets. and work on it so I'm, I'm not rigid about about hours at all I might write three days and then I get to a hard bit in the book and I might take a, you know, the weekend off or something and then come back to it the next week. That's how I do it. Lovely. And uh, finally, the last one is the most important one of all. Uh, salt and vinegar or cheese and onion? <gasps> cheese and onion. Oh, no. Come no. on. <laughs> cheese and it. Of course. <laughs> of course it has. Of course you I should have known you'd say that. <laughs> yes. Well, that's fair enough. Actually, yeah, you've stayed on brand for that one, to be honest. Yes, I, I can't, have. Can't fault you at all. Uh, brilliant. Well, Kay, thank you so much for chatting to us about your brand new book. Oh, it's been a real pleasure. And it's out right now. Yes, Everybody should go and buy Witch in Winter. Yes, Witch in Winter. I hope they like it. Lovely. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure. Bye-bye. Bye. So we recently had a big old competition on Fun Kids, the Wild Verse Poetry Competition, where we got our listeners to write their very own poem about the great outdoors. And right now, we're going to hear from some of the runners-up. Hi, everyone. It's author Anne-Marie Howell here, and I'm so excited to be reading the 2019 runners-up RSPB Wild Verse poems on the Fun Kids Book Club podcast. It's been a pleasure to judge all the entries and a really tricky task to pick the winners and runners-up. Today I'm going to be reading the runner-up poems from all three categories so you're in for a treat. If you missed the winning entries which went out on air, you can listen again at funkidslive.com. This is Riley, age six, who's a runner-up in the under-sevens category. Nature is the birds and the trees, the funny insects and busy bees. Nature is the flowers that grow, the beach, the sea and rivers that flow. Nature is all around us. Enjoy every single bit. But most of all, don't ever forget to take good care of it. And this is Zara, age six, who is a runner-up in the under-sevens category. My favourite activity is exploring with my mum, discovering new creatures, rain or sun. What's that I hear? Everyone hush. Buzz, 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 there's a bee in the bush. Off we go, there is more to explore. The great outdoors is never a bore. Wait, what's that I see over on the right? It's a cow eating grass and it's black and white. Off we go into the woods, crispy, crispy leaves under our feet. Wait, what's that I hear running up the tree? It's a squirrel and it's watching out for me. This is Alexandra, age 10, who is a runner-up in the 8 to 12 category and her poem is called Sea Song. The navy blue sea sings mournfully, tales of wisdom and strife. 
for the ocean has lived a long, long life. She sings of the first coral blooms, of magical caves and enormous rooms, of big metal ships and of bombs tearing rips in the sea's great flanks, of rotting ruins that long ago sank, but also of bottles and boxes and bags, all of which really are quite sad. This is the ocean's plea. Why won't you just let me be? So please help the glittering corals, protect the bustling throng, hear the sea song. And this is Aurora, age 10, who's a runner-up in the 8-12 category with her poem, Save Our Soil. What we do to our earth, we do to ourselves. For earth is soil. We all stand on soil, not dirt. Soil is our tablecloth, beneath the feasts of our earth. We all stand on soil, not concrete. Save our soil, or life will fail. We stand on soil, not money. Grow good earth, find its worth. We stand on soil, not oil. Soil is the answer, teeming with life. Save our soil. And this is Rosanna, who is age 15, and she is a runner-up in the 13 to 18-year-old category. We live, we walk, we work, we play, on this earth that we inhabit. But do we stop to notice nature's display for even just an hour or a minute? For to such beauty nothing can compare, along with its astounding variety. From the graceful swan to the running hare, the jumping frog to the buzzing bee, some creatures clothed in colours bright, others with hues not quite so vibrant. Nothing competes with the owl at night, yet the strongest by far is the humble ant. The chattering squirrel is an agile climber, storing its nuts for the long, hard winter. The woodpecker can drill holes into solid timber and come out unscathed without a splinter. Small red ladybirds are a common sight, so is a herring gull scavenging. The falcon is majestic in its flight, a hedgehog cute in its foraging. The earthworm is the gardener's friend, the blackbird is its predator. In the circle of life that never ends, each creature is at some point victor. With all this going on around us, will you take a minute to appreciate the things that should astound us? For this world is more precious than we can contemplate, so will you help to save our world with others who are fighting for its beauty and help solve the problems we've unfurled before our world is history? And this is Caden, age 14, who's a runner-up in the 13 to 18-year-old category. If I could take a brush and paint the mountains and the moors, I would splash the hillsides yellow and cover them in gauze. I'd take the finest needle and the darkest thread of green and sew a line of bracken along the landscape in between. The wind whistles past my ears. Closing my eyes, I lose all my fears. Our physical world respect and explore, where water meets land, a beautiful shore. I like going to forests with my family on a hike. Sometimes I go on my bike in the forest I really like. Sometimes I can feel the breeze by the trees. In the park, the trees have bark. That's where insects and animals live. Beauty to the forest that they give. Congratulations to the runners-up and to the winners of the Wild Verse Poetry Competition. Well done to everybody who got involved. Next up, I had a little chat with Laura Ellen Anderson. She's got a brand new book out in the Amelia Fang series. And here's what she had to say about it. I am joined by Laura Ellen Anderson. Hello. Hello. You've got a brand new book. It's the newest one in the Amelia Fang series. Yes, Amelia Fang and the Lost Yeti Treasures. And it starts off with the most beautiful illustration of all of the Yeti caves. I loved it, I loved it immediately. 
Oh, thank you. Yeah, that was really fun because it was a little bit dif- different to all of the other maps. Um, and I had a chance to put in people I know into the caves as well. So people who have kind of, you know, inspired me and had a part in my life and supported me throughout the years. They've got their own pit. <laughs> oh, really? Which one should we look out for? Oh, goodness me. There's quite a few. Um, we've got a few from my agent, my editor, my parents, um, some friends and family. Um yeah, there's there's quite a few in there. Is that because it's the last one and you feel like you need to say thank you or is it not the last one at all you just it, want to halfway through? No, it's not the last one at all. It's just a good opportunity because we had lots and lots of pits and I used to think of lots of names. And I thought, ah, oh, why not put the people in the pits? Um, but yes, this is not the last one, no. Good, okay. I was going to go hard in there if it was the last one. <laughs> good to know. Quite. So in this one, you've got Amelia and yes. she's with her friends at a big 350th birthday party, basically, that right? That is correct, yes. It's Florence's grand Yeti Clements. It's her birthday party and the Yetis do know how to party in style. Um, they love a good traditional Yeti prance, which involves lots of bum-bumping and prancing around as light as feathers. And they are having a lovely old time until something pretty bad happens. Yes, yeah, so lots of... Um, the ancient yetis who live there, a lot of their glittery, sparkly items start to go missing. And the prime suspect at first is poor Tangine, but Amelia and her friends know that he couldn't possibly do something like that. But obviously the other yetis don't know that, and um, a lot uh, a lot of things point in Tangine's direction. However, when the mountain pits start to crumble and the collapse, the danger really kind of heightens and uh, the, the yetis are at risk of losing their homes so Amelia and her friends take it upon themselves to find out what's going on and get to the bottom of it quite literally. And Amelia's at a bit of a crossroads with her own friendships as well because she's got a new gang that she wants to hang out with as well as her old friends. Yeah, so she has recently joined the Pumpkineers Club um, and it's a club about all about pumpkins. Um, Amelia absolutely loves it and she has also got a party to attend the same weekend. So she's kind of torn. I mean, we've all been through this where yeah. we've kind of double booked ourselves and we want to do both but we don't want to let anyone down. So it's her kind of facing those problems and not wanting to let her friends down but also wanting wanting to explore new avenues. Um, you know, they're growing up, they're meeting new people, they're doing new things. And so it's facing the challenges that a lot of kids will be facing kind of at that age and um, just handling the situation, how she and her friends get through it. Yeah, there's a lovely bit in it where she's chatting to, I think it's the Grand Yeti, isn't she? Yes, yes. Yeah, that was a really special scene, actually, because, you know, wise old Clements, bless her. Yeah. She gives Amelia some really comforting um, advice and um, kind of says, you know, you are going to meet new people. You are going to make new friends and you shouldn't you shouldn't feel bad for it. And, you know, your friends will understand, um, even if it's a bit of a bit of a wobble at first. I did quite like the bit where she's like, I've got too many friends. I'm kind of trying to find ways to get rid of them. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I was kind of inspired by my nanny Lynn for this character um, there's quite a lot of her in there you know the kind of eccentric clothes and attitude um, so yeah I have her to thank for for Grand Yeti Clements except she's not quite 350 years old <laughs> and is it quite fun as well uh, because the way you write how they speak is literally how they speak like you're, it's in big capital letters you kind of hear it so clearly that must be quite fun to write yes it is very fun to write and I realised if every single yeti in the mountain pit spoke like that it would get a little bit intense and be a book full of capitals so <laughs> I had to think of a way around it and it's just the the rare breeds of yeti speak in capitals and there is actually a kind of a joke um, I think it's Florence's dad Lawrence who, who says you know imagine spending a weekend with uh, yetis who, who spoke like us all the time you know, you'll be 
pleased to know it's only the rare breeds. So, um, yeah, I thought it might be a bit of a big book if everyone was in capitals. I mean, it would be quite intense to read that. Yes, you're right. <laughs> yes. It would be quite tricky. Um, so we've got the book out right now. That is correct, yes. And do you have any more ideas for Amelia and her further adventures? So, yes, there's def- I've just finished writing and illustrating the sixth book in the series, which wow. is called Amelia Fang and the Naughty Catticorns. Um, and I've just finished writing the World Book Day book. Um, so that's very exciting. It'll be a World Book Day book um, in 2020. And that's called Amelia Fang and the Bookworm Gang. That is big news. Congratulations. Thank you so much. It, it, it's very close to my heart, that book, because um, I've kind of I've touched on a theme that a lot of authors and illustrators, I think, will be able to relate to. So um, that was very much writing from experience. I can imagine, yeah. And I know, I just know that World Book Day things are such a big deal and authors who get to do their very own special book for that day is it's a really exciting thing, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. It's so exciting. And to be able to share that day with other authors and, you know, just uh, spread the word of the love of reading and sharing books and um, the fact that it's so accessible to, to kids as well all over the country. Brilliant stuff. Well, uh, thank you so much for chatting to us about Amelia and her big new Lost Yeti treasure. Thank you. It's been an absolute pleasure. Lovely stuff. That is pretty much it from the podcast today. Thank you to Owen Colfer, to Kate Umansky, to Laura Ellen Anderson, to all of the entrants to the Wildverse Poetry Competition, and of course to Imogen for popping by and telling us about the big books of the moment. There is just time to give you the answer to my big book trivia question. The question was, which of these is not an ingredient in George's Marvellous Medicine? Is it horseradish sauce? Is it engine oil? Or is it butter? I can tell you the answer is butter there is no butter but there is horseradish sauce and engine oil it's pretty disgusting if you got the answer right well done give yourself a pat on the back and remember to rate review and subscribe to this podcast tell your friends about it go read a book i'll see you very soon bye So that was a podcast from the children's radio station Fun Kids. Listen on DAB Digital Radio across the UK or online at funkidslive.com. I'm James Stewart, and in Saving Planet Earth, I'm going to be joined by some of the world's top scientists to introduce you to some of the weird and wonderful ideas being trialled to try and save our planet. Led, of course, by your questions. Hi, James. I know that climate change is affecting our oceans. Is there anything that's being done to look after it? And one of the solutions involves dolphin poo. (laughs) This is Saving Planet Earth. Available wherever you get your podcasts.